We're going to start a new series today. It's called Father God. Father God. Amen. And so we're going to talk, uh, at the end of last year, we talked about Jesus. Who do you say that he is? We, remember we talked about that? And then uh, for the first part of this year, we've been talking about who the Holy Ghost is. So, uh, you know, uh, we got to talk about the Father, right? Uh, if you don't understand, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, but there are three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And those three are one, and they've always been. First John tells us the Father... The Word and the Holy Ghost were in heaven. Well, Jesus is the Word made flesh. And when Jesus was on the earth, he prayed to the Father. He didn't pray to himself. He prayed to the Father. And then Jesus did no mighty work until the Holy Ghost came on him. There are three, and yet they are one. But they're very important three, and that's just the way it is. And you say, well, I can't figure that out in my mind. Well, you don't have to figure it out in your mind. You just got to believe it in your heart. Because those three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, are very important. And so we're going to talk about the Father. And so as I was thinking about that, you know, I want to jump right into Abba, Father, and all those kind of things. And we'll get there. Uh, but what was really strong in my heart is these questions came up to me. And I even asked them to Pastor Rhonda, who's out doing a gardening class. I mean, you know, the church is growing and we need help every which way. And we're training people to be in uh, ministry and children's ministry and youth ministry and stuff. Uh, but um, so I asked her this question. I said, who is God to you? Explain him to me. What's he like? Of course, you know, she knows the word and she's a preacher. So she, she began to tell me some things. But I'm asking you. If someone came up to you and said, explain to me your God. Tell me who he is. Tell me what he's like. You know, hopefully you can come up with two or three and I came up with the Big Ten, and I just went through, and I looked at some things, and I was going to give you all ten of them, but as I meditated and began to study them, I don't know how many we're going to get through at a time, and you'll all be back next Sunday. Even if you're on vacation, you can catch up. Hallelujah. But I believe that these things are very important because you can't let someone else define who God is to you. And the great thing about it is you don't even have to use your imagination. You don't have to use anything anybody else has said. God spoke about himself in the word. And that's who he is. Now, don't anybody yell out on this one because I think some people are confused today. But let me ask you this question. Has God changed from the book of Genesis, from the book of Etiquette, Exit, not Etiquette, Etiquette, <laughs> Exodus, has he changed from the book of John? Has God changed? That's a good answer. Because a lot of people say, well, yeah, he's, he's different now. No, God has never changed. He didn't need to. He's always been perfect. Listen to me. God has never changed. The covenant has changed. And because you and I are born again, some, a very small part of humanity has changed. But God himself has never changed. One of the things you got to be careful of in the modern church age is you don't need the Old Testament. One of the things you got to be very careful of is you don't need the Old Testament. We're not under, they all say, we're not under the law, we're under the grace. Yeah, but Jesus fulfilled the law. The law was never bad. Are we a grace church or a faith church? Yes. It's by faith. Through, through, thank God for grace and faith. Hallelujah. 
By grace, it's the title of my book, I should get it right. By grace, through faith, hallelujah. But the Old Testament, God hasn't changed. Do you know Leviticus still is, is good? Some of you are looking at me strange. Listen, if the New Testament quotes the Old, God never meant for you to get rid of it. He just needed you to change. That's why he sent Jesus. Now, I'm grateful I don't have to do no animal sacrifices. The carpet's new. Why? Jesus was the greatest. Jesus took that place. But who God is, you can still look in the Old Testament and find out his character. You can still find out who he is. You know, he still likes the same things he's always liked. And he dislikes the things that he's always disliked. He has not changed. Well, we need to keep up with the times. Who's? The devil's? He knows his time is short. And so he's convincing a lot of people that God has, is, not, is not the same. But God is the same. How I many you know Jesus is the same yesterday Today and forever. His word changes not. God is so faithful and, and so true he, and perfect that he doesn't need to change. Amen? So the covenant has changed and we've changed. So we're going to look at who he is. Are you excited? I'm excited. Number one, our God, our Father is a creator. Genesis 1.1. We're just going to go through some things. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24, in the New Living Trance, says this. This is what the Lord says. Your, your Redeemer and Creator. I am the Lord who made how many things? He made everything. I, all, I alone stretched out the heavens. Who was with me when I made the earth? I like that. Who was with me when I made the earth? Amen. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith. Hebrews 11.3 says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which were seen were made of things that do appear. So number one, what you need to know about your father is he is the creator. He created everything. He is the creator. I love, you know, I didn't, I didn't include it in, but it's going to pop up because I did a whole lot of studying. And I tried to slim down my notes, but I'm going to bring it up. Y'all remember the book of Job. A lot of people think, you know, in our circles, the only thing you get out of the book of Job is uh, don't be afraid. Because, the, you know, every good charismatic word of faith person knows that fear is what caused it to come on him. But there's some other things in there and what you should understand. Uh, that Job was a man who loved God. He didn't have a covenant. And the devil came to destroy him. But in chapter 38 of Job, God suddenly appeared because Job wanted to talk to God. He didn't think God would come talk to him. But God did show up in a whirlwind and, you know, kind of mm, scared him a little bit. And, but the Lord goes through chapter 38 and 39 and he says to him, were you there when I? Do you know how this works? A laundry list of every, I mean, it's too many to talk about in an hour. Everything that God says he did. And so he's telling Job, basically, you're just a man. And the thing you and I need to get, you know, there's a lot of reverence missing from the church. Too much casualness about God. He is, and I'm going to get to it, I'm jumping ahead. He is the creator. He is the almighty. Before him, there was none other. 
And we need to respect him and reverence him and honor him because he is the creator. You and I weren't there. You and I can know a thimbleful of knowledge compared to the vastness of who God Almighty is. And before we look at him as our father, we've got to look at who he, who, who is this one who wanted to be our father? He's the creator. He's the creator of all things. Everything you see was made from something from the unseen realm. All he had to do to make it was to say it. He's God. The only thing he had to do to make it was to say it. There's so much creative power in him. That his spoken word makes things happen. But guess what? Oh, I'm jumping way ahead. The creator lives on the inside of you. And if you speak his word, his creative force is right behind it. Hallelujah. Everybody say, my God, my father is the creator. Hallelujah. He created everything with his word. And, and he is, he's, he's a big God. And he wants us to know that there is no other God besides him. He's a creator and there's no one like him, no one beside him. So Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 35 says this. Unto thee it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. You know, I I think about this. (laughs) I'm already going different places. But I think about this. And I think about, I heard a minister say one time, because uh, sometimes people think about the devil, and they characterize him as the opposite of God. And the truth of the matter, God is good, the devil's bad. Uh, the Lord is the healer, the devil is the, the one who brings sickness and disease. The Lord will bless you, the devil's the one who wants to uh, put people in poverty. All the bad things come from the devil. But I, I remember, because I used to teach a lot on the, the, the authority of the believer, and I was about five, maybe five or so years into my, to ministry, right as I was starting to pastor, and I heard someone say this, and it revolutionized my life. Because a lot of times you think God and the devil are equal. There is no equal to God. He's opposite, but he's not equal. No, he's opposite, but he's not equal. He never was as powerful as God. He can't create anything. He's the father of lies. The only thing he can do is deceive. The only thing the devil can do is deceive people. He's been doing it for a long time, but that's all he can do. There is no one like God. There is no equal to God. He said, he said this in Isaiah 43, and we'll look at 10 through 13 out of the King James. He says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. Before me, there was no... Now, listen to me. I know that if you think about this too long, it'll make your brain go tilt. Because we are humans. And there's a, there's a beginning and an end to us. There is an origin and a final destiny on this place. But with God, he said, um, I'm God, and before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall there be any after me. In other words, I'm it. I've always been it. I've always been the one. I always will be the one. I stand alone all by myself. Verse 11. 
This is, this is your father. I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. There's no way to be saved but by me. Verse 12. I love this. I have declared and I have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witness, says the Lord. In case you didn't get it in the other two verses, I am God. Everybody say, you are God. All right, if that one's not good enough, let's look at Isaiah 44. Isaiah was hearing from God and God wanted us to know something. How many know Isaiah is still good? How many know the prophecies of Isaiah, all of them haven't come to pass yet? So you can't throw out Isaiah. Isaiah is still good. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first. I am the last. Besides me, there's no God. Verse 7. And who, as I shall call and shall declare it and set an order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming and shall come, let let them show unto them. I love verse 8. Here we go. It's one of my favorite verses ever. Fear you not. Don't be afraid. Why don't I have to be afraid? Have I not told you from that time and have declared it, you are even my witnesses. So he's got, if you're a witness to something, it's something you've seen, it's something you've heard, it's something you got firsthand. He said, you're going to be my witness to the fact that, the, he said, uh, is there a God beside me? Is there anybody beside me? Is there anybody? Uh, He said, yea, there is no God. I know not any. I love that. I don't know if you love it as much as I do, but he just got sassy. He said, I don't know what you all thinking out there, that there's some other way, there's some other God, there's some other thing going to happen, but you're going to be my witness to the fact that there is no other God. There is no other way. There are not many ways to the same God. There is one Father, one Jesus Christ, one Holy Ghost, and there are the children of God and those who are not the children of God. There is no other God. I don't know any. Now, that's sassy. I don't know any, and you don't know any. Because you may thought you knew some, but you don't. There is none other. Hallelujah. There's no other God. There's no other God but him, and he is the Lord Almighty. Amen. He is, and you saw it in some in there, he's the great I am. Let's look at this, because, because, listen, he's the creator. He's the only God. We're going to look at, as we go through this down the road, he is your father. But you need to know who your father is. Well, God, God is love. We'll get to that, but that's not all. If we have a misshaped image of God, we won't serve him correctly. There's a lot of supposings out there of who God is and what would Jesus do. But you don't need to wonder what would Jesus do. You can just figure out what Jesus did. You don't have to suppose how God would respond to something today. He already told us. Based on his nature based on his character, but especially based on his word. You don't have to question. You don't have to wonder. And you shouldn't let anyone make you question or wonder. Give me chapter and verse, please. You don't have a right to believe anything you want to believe about God. I have my beliefs. You you shouldn't have your beliefs. They should be from the word of God. 
I have a right to believe. I have a right to this. I have a right to that. Well, the truth of the matter is, if we're born-again believers, God told us what to believe. Well, why are there so many different beliefs? Well, because there's so many different kinds of humans. And they have different forms of revelation. I don't know it all, and you don't know it all, but he's still the big know-it-all. And we can find out. And we need to keep on striving to know him. Amen. Why? So we can make him known. That's a great slogan. Hallelujah. Shouldn't we know him? The more you know him, the more you will make him known. Who is he? Who is he? Who is God to you? Who is your father? What's he like? Tell me what he's like. Well, he's a creator. Uh, There's no one else but him. And he is the almighty God. Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 from the New Living says this. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I am the almighty God. The almighty. God your father is God Almighty. When you think of him as almighty, we're going to get to the papa side of God, but you've got to understand who it is is your father. He is God Almighty, the creator, the one who stands alone, that there's no one to compare him to. He is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. And... Uh, Exodus chapter 3, you get to see him in the Gospel of John. Jesus began to say, I am, I am. But here's where it came from uh, because of God. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they shall say to me, uh, Who's the God? In other words, see, even back then, they're confused. Moses, who am I supposed to tell them? What's your name? Who shall I say, what shall I say unto them? Verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Listen, he is the great I am. And I want to remind you, Isaiah 41.4. Isaiah 41.4 says, who has wrought and done it, calling generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and the last, I am he. He's the first, he's the last, he's the I am. He told Moses, you tell him I am. What is I am? I love one definition. I am just means um, everything that is is mine. And if you don't think I have it, I'll go make it for you. He is the great I am. He stands alone in a category all by himself. He is God Almighty. He is the great I am. Everybody say, Father God, you are God Almighty, and you are the great I am. And because he is God Almighty, because he is the great I am, then we we should honor him, we should reverence him, and I'm not even going to say it, we should fear him. Fear not like you're afraid of a snake or a tornado, but you should have awe and awesome respect. I should have an awe and an awesome respect of God. He is God Almighty. He is the creator. He is the great I am. Amen. There is no one else before him. He was, 
and always has been. Where did he come from? I don't know. Do I need to know? I don't need to know. I just know that he is. And he's the creator. And he's the I am. That's called faith. Should I question it? No, by faith, I know that the worlds were framed by the word of his mouth. I don't have to see it. I don't have to have it scientifically explained to me. I believe that. I don't question that. That's called faith. Well, I think we need to suppose some things. I need to be wondering some things. Well, you can suppose and wonder yourself all the way into doubt and unbelief. You have to take him at his word. Can you try to explain something? Sure, I'm not, I'm not against all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to be very careful about those arguments about this or that. You just, these are some fundamental truths that are non-negotiable. This is non-negotiable. He is the creator. Everything that was made was made by him. He spoke the word. And the worlds became. Do you believe in the Big Bang Theory? I do. I believe God spoke and bang. I do believe that. Well, that's simple. I know. That's narrow. I know. But that's what I believe. Because it's written. I don't question it. There's no other God. There never has been. There never will be. Well, are there others in the universe? I don't care. This is the only one that I know. And he said beside him, he didn't even say, not even in the universe. He just said there is none other. How can that be? I don't care. It's what he said, and that's what I believe. He's the Almighty. He's the great I am. And because of that, I respect him. I honor him. And I fear him. Not afraid of him, but I highly reverence him. 1 Timothy 1.17. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor. He's the only God, and he gets honor and glory forever. And ever, amen. Hallelujah. First Peter 2.17. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. You're in the brotherhood. But then it says what? Fear God. Honor the king or honor the emperor. It's talking about the natural king. But right in there it says, as you honor all men, as you love the brotherhood, you need to fear God. Honor the king. To me, truly, the other things around it won't work unless you fear the king, unless you fear God. You can't honor the king. You can't honor those. Because that's not talking about King Jesus. That's talking about an emperor. That's talking about a king. Honor all men. Love one another. But in the middle of that, you got to fear God. Respect God. Deuteronomy chapter 10 Verses 12 through 13, the NIV says this. And now Israel, but how many know you're spiritual Israel? You've been born again. You've been cut, grafted into the covenant. What does the Lord God ask of you but to fear the Lord, 
Fear the Lord your God. So everybody say this now. Say say it with faith. Say it with honor. Lord, I honor you. I fear you. I respect you. What are we supposed to do? We're fear, fear the Lord. Walk in. How many of you know, even though this is in Deuteronomy, it's still for today. Should you fear the Lord today? Should you honor the Lord today? Should you reverence him today? Walk in obedience. How many know that's still good? Love him. How many know that's still good? Serve the Lord. Get involved. Is that still good? That was weak. Serve the Lord. Get involved. Do your part. Hallelujah. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Verse 13. And to observe the Lord's commands. How many know we're still supposed to observe the Lord's commands? Well, Pastor Mark, we're not, we don't have to keep the, the Ten Commandments anymore. Oh, yeah, which one's bad? Adultery is okay now? Lion's okay now. Having other gods before you, still okay? That's good too? No. You, the ten are fulfilled in the two. But if you do the two, you won't do, you, you'll keep the ten. I don't think we need plaques everywhere about the 10. I don't think you need to crochet the 10. If you like that, if you want to hang them up, that's good. But if you'll love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, you'll never commit it. You won't commit adultery. You won't lie. You won't have, other, you won't have false gods. So it's like, well, we did away with the 10. We did away with the law. No, Jesus fulfilled it. And they're still good. Which one's bad? You'll fulfill them, though, if you'll do the two. Right? Hallelujah. So I'm going to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. How many of you know, if you'll walk in the two, love the Lord your God, love your neighbors yourself, fulfill the ten, that it's for your good. Amen. So what the point is, he's the almighty God. He's the great I am. And I should honor him. I should respect him. I should reverence him. I should fear him. Hallelujah. In a healthy way. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the great I am. And the reason, one of the reasons that we can honor and esteem him so greatly is because God your Father is perfect. Did he need to change? Was, was there a flaw in him that now in the New Testament he discovered his flaw and he fixed it? He's always been perfect. Amen. And he's his word, and his word is perfect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say, God, my Father, you are perfect. Woo! Deuteronomy 32.4 from the NIV says it this way. He's the rock. His works are perfect. And all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. He's upright and just is he. We'll come back to that, but let's look at the rest of them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. We're going to look at this in the New Living first. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's look at the Amplified Classic. You, therefore, must be perfect. This is you and me. We're growing up into complete maturity. Of godliness and mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. Why? Because your father has already reached the heights of all these. Because he is perfect. 
Well, I'm not perfect. I'm just a human. But you're not in yourself anymore. We are to attain to these things by the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. I'm just a human being. I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And he is perfect, and, 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 the, and the Father is perfect, and he wants us to grow up and match that and mirror him. James 1.17 says this. You know this scripture, but I love it. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. God is perfect. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, um, you know, my life is not perfect, and I love God, and, and things always didn't work out, and so, you know, and I have believed God, and it didn't happen, and he failed me. You're wrong. Now, don't get all excited at me, and don't throw any tomatoes at me or eggs, but you're wrong, because God is perfect. Well, then, then he, he told me no. Why can't we as human beings say we just don't know everything? Why can't we admit that maybe I missed something somewhere? Why would we say I did everything right and somehow God did something wrong? I'm walking in, you, I've been walking in faith and God did not answer me. You're a liar. Man, Pastor, that's strong. Because if you don't get this, your faith won't work. New Testament, he will never disappoint you. Yeah, but I've been disappointed. Not by God. By church, by pastors, by yourself, by other believers, sure. Every day, all day long. But by God, no way, no how. No way, no how. You don't think I fight with some of this stuff? I fight with this some of this stuff. But you've got to come back to the Bible. I've been walking by faith for a really long time. Has everything totally manifested the way and when I wanted it? No. And the devil, does he jump up my shoulder and say, man, he let you down this time? Sure he does. The devil jumps right there real quick like. And he'll use the word and twist it. The devil will use the word and rest it and twist it to make you blame God. Come on, the devil would love you to be like Job's wife. Just curse him. Just curse him. Just say, God, you're not fair. Just say, God, your word's not true. God, you lied to me. Oh, the devil would jump up and down as he heard those words come out of your mouth or those thoughts in your heart that you let keep running. God has never disappointed you. The word has, now, I, I, I'm going to get up all in your business in Kool-Aid right now. You ready? Because I've heard people say, well, I had a faith failure. You've never had a faith failure because faith cannot fail. I know other people use that term, but I don't like that term. Because true faith never, in God never fails. I messed up. I didn't connect somewhere. I didn't believe what I said. There was some, I let go. It's on me. God is perfect. Is he? Is he always perfect? Is his word perfect? Is his word perfect? God is perfect. Who's your father? My father's perfect. My father's perfect. His word is perfect. Hallelujah. 
He's perfect. He's perfect. Every perfect gift comes down from the Father of life. He's perfect. I said he's perfect. And his word is perfect. And he'll never let you down. He can't. If, if he let you down, he'd cease from being God. And if he ceases from being God, you better hold on to something. Because the Bible says even the world is held together with his words. I get it. You don't hear preaching like this everywhere. Because people like it when it's God's fault. Because you can't control that. Well, sometimes he says no, Pastor Mark. Not to his will, he doesn't. To your, to your wants sometimes? Oh, yeah. In your best interest. He'll tell you no. Well, I, I want to go have, I, you know, you're a married man and she's a married woman. But I want to have lunch with her. Because we have a connection. And the Holy Ghost says no. Sure, he'll tell you no. Because the beginning of that connection ends up in adultery and a divorce. But it's just a simple lunch. But the Holy Ghost knows everything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. God is perfect. Is this plain? But see, you need to know him. And when you really know him, you can have your faith will grow. God is perfect. God is perfect. Just say it out of your mouth. It will make you feel good. God has never let me down. God has never failed me. He can't. He can't. You get that settled. You get that settled. Do bad things happen? Sure. Do you want to go like this sometimes? Me too. But you got to come back to, you work it back to, God is perfect. He's never failed. He will never fail. His word is true. Let's just end there. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man. Let's get this straight. God is not a man that he should lie. Now listen, period. God is not a man. We're creating his likeness and image, but he is, we're human, but God is not a man. God is not a man. He's a God. <laughs> and he is a spirit. But God is not a man. He's not a superhuman. God is not a man. God is not a man. And so since he's not a man, he's not going to lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that sometimes when we pray he doesn't change his mind. But he's perfect. And so therefore he doesn't do things wrong. And he doesn't have to repent for it. He said and shall not. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken it and shall not make it good? God is not a man. He's not a liar. How many know who the liar is? Remember Jesus said about the devil. Devil you are the father or the author of all lies. God cannot tell a lie. God has never lied. And that's why he doesn't like it very much when his children do it. Not even those little, you know, I, there's no color code of lies. It's either a lie or it's the truth. If it's an exaggeration, it's a lie. We have to teach our children you know, there's a lot of things you can do in our house, but number one is you can't ever lie. If you tell us the truth, then you're probably not going to be as punished. You might still get punished, but not as severely as if you lie. 
We don't tolerate lie. Why? Because God hates it. Why? Because the devil is the author of it. And he's not a man that he should lie. In other words, if God said something in his word, you can bank it. This good is done because God said it. God is not a man that he should lie. The son of man that he should repent. I hear somebody saying, Pastor Mark, you're making it too simple. It's more complicated than that. I hear you, but you're wrong. You're wrong. And the Lord wanted me to tell you you're wrong. It is not complicated. He is who he said that he is. You just believe that. Understand you're complicated, (laughs) but he's not. His ways are beyond finding out. Again, not true. He has revealed them to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. God is not a man that he should lie. The son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it? If he said it, what's he going to do? If he said it, what's he going to do? It's not a carrot dangling in front of you. Has he said it? He's going to do it. You can have faith in that. Has he spoken it? And will he not make it good? Hallelujah. Hebrews 16. 6, I mean, uh, 18. Uh, look, can you... How hard is it to pop up to verse 17? Hebrews 6, 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, that's us. Are, are you an heir and a joint heir? The heirs of promise, the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath. Verse 18. That by two immutable or unchanging things. What are those two unchanging things? His promise and his oath. His promise, his word, and his oath to you. What is an oath? It said uh, by two immutable things in which is impossible. It's impossible, impossible. God wanted you to know Old and New Testament. God has not changed. It's impossible. It's impo- if he lies, everything's going to fall apart. Has he not said it? Will he not also do it? Two immutable things, by his promise, by his oath. It's impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God promised, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God is not a liar. Are you with me? What am I trying to do? What's God trying to do? What's the Father trying to do today? He wants to strengthen you. There's a lot of chatter out there. There's a lot of chatter within the church. And we have to be rock solid on who he is. And the only place you can find him is in his word. Don't let some politician, some radio host who's not born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, called of God, tell you who God is. You go to the Word. He's a creator. He's the great I am. He's the almighty God. He is not a man that he should lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he, my friend, is perfect as perfect can be.